Welcome to Faith That Works in Real Life, the weekly sermon podcast produced by Messiah Lutheran Church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Let's get started. This is the Holy Gospel according to Mark, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. And now Simon, or Simon's mother-in-law, was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place. And there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. And when they found him, they said, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let's go to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, good morning again, everyone. It's so good to be together. Any chance that we have to proclaim the good news of Jesus is a good day, and that is one of those days. This is one of those days today. And whenever I preach, I've shared this before, but whenever I preach, people always ask me, well, what are you preaching about Sunday, Pastor? And I always say the same thing. They say, what are you preaching about? And I say, Jesus. And then they laugh, and I'm I'm always 100% dead serious. At the center of every message that I preach, I want Jesus to be the focal point. And then we talk about that in a number of different ways. And I like to get at how we talk about Jesus and how Jesus loves us in a number of different ways. Sometimes I love to just tell a story and let the story speak for itself. And other times I like to go verse by verse and line by line and just dig into the text and see where that takes us and get into the language and exegesis and all of those fancy pastor things that pastors do. And other times, I get focused on just a single word or maybe a short phrase or just one verse throughout a much longer passage, and that's the case for today. So today, as I was reading through our gospel text, there is an abundance of material. We could could spend weeks on this passage. I promise that we won't because chili awaits, right? I never want to be the one thing that stands between other people and food. But... There's so much richness in this, but I was captivated by a verse early on in this text as I read through it this time. And it's one that often gets just kind of pushed aside because there's some flashier talk about demons and crowds gathering and there's lots of things that are going on in this text. But where I want to focus our attention today is on verse 31, where it says, He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her and she began to serve them. And the her in this text is Peter's mother who had fallen ill. And so in this text, in this short passage, I think that we can see the gospel articulated really clearly if we know where to look. And we hear and see the purpose of Mark's gospel articulated so well. Pastor Tim, over the last couple weeks, has reminded us of that purpose as he's been going through Mark's gospel. He said that 
the purpose of Mark's gospel, the reason that it was written, was primarily to identify who Jesus is. And many of us know who Jesus is. We're very comfortable proclaiming that at this point in our life. But the wrestling of the early church community had to come to some resolution, like who actually was this Jesus? And so Mark's purpose in writing the gospel was to proclaim that Jesus is the Messiah. And he's the Son of God. And I think that all, of that, all that Mark is trying to accomplish is present just in that verse 31. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. So let's walk through it just a little bit. Starting with just the first two words, he came. And those are words that we can just pass right by. But in some ways, I think if we miss the message in those first two words, then we miss the whole thing. He came. There's something really significant that happens when people show up for the important moments in your life, isn't it? So like if you have a big event in your life or if there's some kind of thing that is happening, if you're struggling with something or sometimes even the, the things that are just kind of the everyday things, they just seem normal. Something is really significant when the people that you care about the most show up and they're present for that. It does something in, in me, at least. I imagine that it does for you, too. I know kids sometimes struggle when their parents don't show up for their events, or kids sometimes struggle when, you know, like they ignore, like, student-teacher conferences or things like that. There's a number of different things. Some kids probably don't want their parents to go to parent-teacher conferences because they don't want to hear, you know, all the stuff that happens in those things. But ultimately what it comes down to is people want to be seen and known and recognized and they need the people who are closest to them to be present in those moments in the everyday in the ordinary and in the extraordinary and in those first two words of this text it just simply says he came and in some ways that's the gospel in a nutshell right? Because we can spend our whole lives searching for Jesus. We can wander all around, and we can search and search and search, and we can say, like, I'm trying to find Jesus. I'm trying to get my way to Jesus. But the point is, first and foremost, God came to us in and through the person of Jesus. And upon Jesus' death, he didn't leave us. Upon the resurrection, Jesus left the Spirit with us, and so God is still with us. God comes to us before we could ever come to God. And that is a significant thing because it's a picture of grace right out of the gate. As soon as we start trying to find our own way, then we step outside of grace and into a place of trying to earn our way. And so don't miss this. God comes to us. It's not about us coming to God. So one of the things that I've been reflecting on a lot lately is being present where I am. I don't do this perfectly, and I don't do it even well sometimes. But at the, the top of my planner, my little, I have this journal that I do all my planning in. At the top of that, I always write a theme, and I write a few words that reflect that theme each day. And the word for me lately has been presence, and the words that I write as just a reflection of that are first the words, I am here. And I draw a little circle around the word here, because I know sometimes my tendency is to be somewhere else than where I actually am. Does anybody else have that problem? I might be here, but I'm really not here. My mind and my heart and my spirit and everything else is, my attention is somewhere else. And so I wanna be present. And the, the main reason that I wanna be present here is because that's where God is. And so I write again, I am here 
but this time I circled the words I am. It's just a reminder of like the conversation when Moses was being sent by God and he said, who should I tell them sent me? And God's response is, I am. And so I want to be here. I am here. And I am is here. And so I want to be where God is. And I want to be aware of that and awake to that. And I want to be where my feet are. And sometimes that means making choices like putting my phone away or looking people in the eye when they're talking to me or not paying attention to the buzz that happens on my watch anytime somebody sends me a text message when I'm having a conversation. There's so many different ways that that becomes practical. But I want to be here because I want to know the fullness of God's presence with me. And so often that is known by looking in the eyes of the people who are around me. So he came, and he took her by the hand. This has actually been a, a difficult week in the life of our church for some ways. We, I meant to share in the announcements, but um, we um, celebrated the life of Nancy J. Berry on Friday, who had died last Sunday. And then we got word late Friday night um, that Felicity Steer had died. And I was able to see Felicity in the hospital um, before, um, before she died. And, and this happens, I, I've done literally thousands of hospital visits in my life, being a hospital chaplain and, and a pastor. And one of the things that happens, I think that is so significant in those spaces, is when someone who is struggling and suffering reaches out their hand and allows you as someone who has come to spend time with them to take, your, take their hand. I never force that on somebody, but a few different times in hospital visits this week, um, the person that I was visiting reached out their hand and I was able to hold their hand and pray with them. And there's something that happens in that interaction. There's a closeness that happens. It's not like there's you know, magic or whatever. It's, it's not anything weird like that, it's there, but there's a closeness in that. And I think that reflects the heart of God. So God, the creator of the universe, who came in the flesh as Jesus, he came. And then Peter's mother, who was ailing, he took her by the hand. And what an intimate and close act that is. When you think about that, the one who spoke the world into being takes the hand of those who he loves in their time of need. That close. And there's something that that reminds me of, that God didn't just come as some distant and unknowable deity. God came close, and God came personally. And Mark uses very purposeful language in the way that he communicates this in his gospel. And as a pastor, I've studied Greek and Hebrew, and I'm contractually obligated to pull out some words every now and then to make sure that I got my money's worth of my education, right? And so the word that Mark uses here is a very purposeful word when he talks about holding the hand. And it's the word krateo. And you don't have to know how to say that. You don't have to know how to pronounce that. But there's an interesting definition. The primary definition of that word is to have power. We're talking about holding a hand. And so it's personal and it's powerful. And I imagine that many of us have experienced that personal and powerful moment of holding someone's hand in their time of need. And I think that's so reflective of God's presence in and through those relationships and those interactions. So he came and he took her by the hand and lifted her up. 
Faith That Works in Real Life is brought to you by Messiah Lutheran Church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. To learn more about how to connect with our church community, please visit messiahlc.com. Let's get back to the message. Now, when I was a hospital chaplain, they instructed us not to lift anyone, right? We had to leave that, that work to other people. But the text says he lifted her up. And I don't think that that was like Jesus came and like Peter's mom was laying there and he just kind of yanked her by the arm and pulled her up out of her bed. Like I think the lifting up is actually something more significant that is connected to the gospel. And again, the language that Mark uses in this case is really purposeful. So he uses the word agiro, which means to arouse or to cause to rise. It also means to arouse from the sleep of death and to recall the dead to life. And what does that sound like? We're not just talking about yanking something, someone up from their sleep. We're actually talking about resurrection. This is resurrection language that Mark is using. And Mark uses this language very much on purpose. It's the same language that Mark's, Mark uses to talk about any kind of talk of resurrection. Arousing from the sleep of death and to recall the dead to life. Peter's mother was struggling and she was suffering and she was having a difficult time. And the gospel says that we are not defined or bound up by those things for all of eternity. That we are set free from those things. That the resurrected life of Jesus lifts us out of whatever binds us. So he came, came to us and took her by the hand, takes us by the hand and lifted her up and lifts us up as well. And then what happened? The fever left her. Because in the resurrected life, we are made whole and healed. And it's a complicated thing sometimes praying for healing. We pray for healing out of faith. We pray for healing out of expectation that God is alive and at work and moving. But any kind of physical healing, any kind of relief that we, we experience from whatever our sickness or suffering in is temporary at best in this life. I mean, every single one of us, when we think about it, has experienced healing. Every single one of us has been sick. Every one of us has experienced some kind of loss or some kind of difficulty. And yet, here we are. We have experienced healing. But that healing is just a glimpse of the wholeness that is to come. When the kingdom of God is fully realized, then all those things that we struggle with, all those things that cause us to suffer, will be no more. We will be whole and healed. And so in this picture that Mark is painting of the gospel through this interaction with Jesus and Peter's mother, that's becoming made known. He came and he took her by the hand and he lifted her up. And then the fever lifted her, left her. And the word there is aphiomy. And it's interesting that this isn't just talking about like, okay, like her fever dropped and then it was gone. Aphiomy is the word that's used for forgiveness. This is forgiveness language. Because we're living in the resurrected life, whatever held us back and held us down doesn't hold on to us anymore. And 
interestingly, like we, we sometimes get caught up in like what does forgiveness mean? And we'd like to think of it sometimes in terms of the debt that we owe. We've created this debt that we could never repay and it starts to feel heavy and it weighs deeply on our shoulders. But sometimes I wonder if that debt kind of language leads us down a path that isn't very helpful when we're actually talking about forgiveness. Because sometimes when I think too much about debt, it leads me to a place where what goes to my mind is like, well, I've got to somehow, even though I'm forgiven, like I, I keep creating this debt over and over and over again, and I owe something, I owe something, I owe something. But God has said once and for all that that debt has been paid. So if there was a debt, it doesn't exist anymore. So why do we have to keep embracing and asking for and living into forgiveness? And the primary definition of this word forgiveness means to send it away. To send it away. And that, for me, says something just a little bit different, but so helpful. I mean, whatever it is I struggle with, I don't want it to be near me anymore. And God sends it away through God's forgiveness. God isn't fixated on what I owe. God is fixated on making me whole and healed. And so he sends my sins, sends whatever I struggle with, my suffering, my sickness, anything else, far away so that it doesn't define me. It's not who I am. And I'm set free from that. So he came. He took her by the hand, and he lifted her up, and the fever left her. And she began to serve them. Now, if you ever really want to push my buttons, um, you can preach a sermon like I've heard preached about this part of the text time and time again. Um, I've watched many a preacher over the years and listened to them um, preach this as a misogynistic text. And they've made jokes in a way where they say, like, the whole reason why Jesus, you know, got Peter's mom rid of her fever was because he and the disciples had been really busy and they were hungry and they needed somebody to go make him a sandwich. I've heard that sermon. I guarantee you that somebody is preaching that sermon this morning, or at least saying that as a joke in passing. I think it misses the point entirely, and it's also deeply offensive. Here's the thing. When we're forgiven and we step into the resurrected life, what's the natural response? We serve. Right? And so, if this little verse is a picture of the gospel in a nutshell, that God came to us first, that God set us free, that God invited us and made the way for us to live into the resurrected life, then what is the response then that comes in and through our lives? One of the best ways that we can express the resurrected life that lives in us is by serving one another. Sometimes the simplest things that we learn, even as children, are the things that make the most sense and actually carry the most weight. Like, they will know we are Christians by our what? More than two people should know that. Let's try that again. They will know we are Christians by our... This half is doing really good. Let's come on this side. Right. They will know we are Christians by our... Wonderful. Yeah, it's such a simple truth, but that's what it comes down to. 
they will know that we are Christians by our love. That's not even just about like being a Christian, like expressing our religion. That's what it means to be resurrected into the life of Jesus. We then look around and we get to participate in the healing and the wholeness of others. And so when we talk about resurrection, we're not just talking about like the resurrection. Like that's essential to the story because our resurrection is impossible without it. But we're not just talking about something that is impossible for us to understand or explain. We're talking about something that we can participate in in everyday life. And what does it look like to participate in resurrection in everyday life? It looks like God's people lifted up forgiven and free, serving one another in our place of need. And I can tell you, I saw the resurrected life being lived out all over the place this week. It's one of those things when you start to know what to look for, you can't miss it. But it's also one of the reasons why we come together week after week after week to be reminded that that resurrected life is not something that is just in a far and distant future. It's something that's here and now. And I can tell you our friends who are grieving today, like they need resurrection now. They need need that to be good news in the present, not just in the future. And it is good news in the present. Because as the people of God, as we learn to love and care for one another, then the the, the love of God becomes real and tangible to each and every one of us. And when we think about the message that Pastor Tim reminded us so clearly of over the last couple weeks, what was the good news that Jesus went around proclaiming? The first words that we have recorded from Jesus in Scripture are these, from Mark 1.15, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The time is fulfilled. He came and the kingdom of God has come near. He took our hand. Repent. He lifted us up. Remember, Pastor Tim talked about repentance isn't something that we drive. It's actually God taking control. He makes us whole. And then we believe in the good news. And our belief is never something that we just get up here. It's not just some cognitive response to things. Our belief is always demonstrated by our actions. Our actions don't earn anything for us but our actions are the truest expression of what it is that we believe. If you want to know what somebody believes, look at what they do, not just what they say. And so the people of God who believe in all of this good news that Mark is talking about, that Jesus is proclaiming again and again and again, that we're called to proclaim again and again and again, the people of God who believe that live a life of love and service to one another where none of us are left in want because there's always someone there to be the hands and feet of God caring for us in our place of need. And all the things that we do as a church, they're just kind of meant to practice those things, right? Like we have activities and we have committees and we have service projects and all of those things so that we can learn what it's like to express that, but those aren't the only things. There's opportunity after opportunity after opportunity every single day and every moment of every day to live a life life of love, to live into the resurrected life that we have in Jesus. And that's the call that is placed on our life as believers. The God who came to us, the God who holds our hand, 
who cares about us deeply and shares his power with us so that we can be lifted up and healed and participate in the resurrected life, calls us forth to love and serve one another. Let's pray together. God, we give you thanks for this day. Thank you for the way that you make us whole. Thank you for caring for us in our every place of need. It's hard for us to see that sometimes, God. So thank you for sending the people in our lives who make that tangible and real and noticeable for us. And I pray that each of us gathered here today would recognize that we are not alone, that you are with us, and the ways that you are with us are are manifest in the people around us. So continue to draw us together as a community, not just as a group of people who happen to be in the same space together, but draw us together as the community of God, as the people of God, as the family of God together. May we see one another in our place of need, and may we serve one another in that place out of love. Because you have set us free. You have invited us into the kingdom of God that has come to participate in your resurrection life. We pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is the end of our podcast. Thank you for listening to Faith That Works in Real Life, a podcast produced by Messiah Lutheran Church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Please follow us on social media and listen to our podcast on your favorite platform.